Thanks for tuning in to the Survival to Thrival podcast, based on the book series with the same name. I'm Helen Croydon, and I'm the interviewer of the biggest stars of the show, the two co-authors, Tehi Norm and Bob Tinker. Tehi and Bob are a duo of investor and entrepreneur. They have a long history of working together and have written two books together, aimed at founders and entrepreneurs striving to build enterprise startups. This podcast is based on the themes, advice and real world stories from their book series, Survival to Thrival. If you enjoyed this, please like it, subscribe or share it with your network. We're back with another episode of the Survival to Thrival podcast. This episode, I'm here again with Survival to Thrival co-authors, Tehi Nam and Bob Tinker, to look in detail at another aspect of go-to-market fit. This time, it's finding the urgent pain which your startup solves and finding your wow factor. So, Bob, first, can you give us just a brief summary of what the urgent pain and what the wow is? I know we've covered it already in other episodes, but can you just give us a quick recap? When you're building your early go-to-markets, the urgent pain answers the question, why should a customer buy now and not six months from now? The second one is, what's the wow? The wow is that thing when you're meeting with a customer where you see their body language change and they lean in and they're like, tell me more. And it's the thing that causes them to want to spend more time with you, get other people involved. And if you think about what it does, it really you know, moves the customer into the next phase of the go-to-market playbook. So some of our listeners have said to us that they want some real examples of what urgent pain is and what the wow is for some of the startups that you've worked with. So Tehi, perhaps you could start off and um, and give a couple of examples. Sure, Helen. Um, I'd like to start with uh, the early days of uh, TalkDesk. TalkDesk is a call center in a cloud company. And uh, their urgent pain that they came across is uh, 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 companies, whether they're SMBs, brand new startups or others, would want to set up a a call center very quickly uh, for, let's say, 5, 10, 20 agents um, without having any IT or any uh, other uh, infrastructure. So they basically want a call center as soon as possible with the least amount of work. Mm -hmm. That was the urgent pain. And the wow is simply um, um, saying, uh, we can create a call center in five minutes just on your browser. So how did that wow come about? And how did the founders of that company realize that that was the wow? I think in this particular case, uh, uh, Tiago, um, who founded this company when he was uh, 24 years old, wow. grew up in sort of the Gmail world, the uh, the the B2C uh, consumer service world, and just used to sort of how things get done naturally, very easily, versus uh, coming from the IT world, working with companies like Genesis and others, which are very uh, uh, time-consuming. So he just naturally thought of, you know, how to just make this very easy. And, and that was uh, became the product. It also became the marketing message. I say, create a call center in five minutes. But also from a business standpoint, uh, at the beginning, it was made very easy from a business standpoint with transparent pricing, short-term contracts, uh, and also how to deploy it in less than 24 hours without IT. It, you know, it's interesting here today is like, I think with um, TalkDesk for the founder, 
they had a pretty good sense in the beginning for what the urgent pain was. You know, call centers are tough and they had a pretty good sense for what the wow was, which is, hey, if we can show somebody setting it up in five minutes, that's really killer. You know, for a lot of companies and founders, it's not quite so obvious. It might be useful to sort of talk a little bit about like what makes it hard (laughs) and how companies get stuck. Because for the urgent pain, one of the things that often happens is the urgent pain isn't necessarily exactly your founding idea. You know, a lot of companies often start thinking sort of their product and the urgent pain they're going to go solve is A, but it turns out there's not as much urgency as they thought. And they sort of struggle and they bump along. In a lot of cases, there's an urgent pain a little bit to the left, a little bit up or a little bit to the right or a little bit down that has a lot more heat to it. And one of the challenges for founders is often, you know, sort of letting go of their founding idea and doing sort of a half pivot, you know, to the left or to the right uh, is a real struggle. But, you know, it's key to be able to unlock that urgent pain that drives the lead. You know, a great example is uh, there's a company called Cloudnox, uh, which does security for the cloud. And, you know, their urgent pain is an interesting one where, you know, as automation in the cloud and multi-cloud has created a tremendous amount of productivity for, you know, mid, large, and uh been mid, small, and large enterprise customers out there as they move to Amazon, Microsoft, as they move to Google. Uh, it's got a really nasty side effect, which is that for every enterprise customer, there's you know one to two command lines that an engineer machine could execute that could either download your data in your apps or destroy all your data in your apps. And to make it worse, most enterprises don't know how many users or how many machines have permission to run those kill commands. You know, it can destroy a business. Um, the entire companies have been put out of business, like Code Spaces provides huge regulatory risks. Like Capital One just paid a giant fine. You know, so that's an example of um, a pretty poignant, urgent pain that has been driving leads and driving growth. The trick for them was to sort of figure out what the wow was to be able to say, hey, that's a really good urgent pain, but you know, how do we help you solve it in a way that is really engaging? And you know, it was kind of a complicated story for them in the beginning. You know, what they realized is they needed to be able to show their wows in mm-hmm. like 24 hours. Like if Balaji and the team there could show a customer in under 24 hours which users and machines sort of have the nuclear keys to destroy things like that caused a customer to sit up in their chair, caused a customer to change their body language, caused a customer to, you know, ask their colleagues to join. It caused a deal to accelerate. And, you know, that's a great example of a, you know, kind of a complicated, urgent pain. Yeah. But a really, really simple wow that they could show a customer and the customer's like, all right, I want to learn more. So, Helen, it turns out that, uh, you know, the urgent pain um, can also be like, you know, not a one size fits all. So like in Algolia's case, uh, you had uh, different urgent pains related to the use case and customer situation. So, you know, one what Algolia provides is search as a service. 
Um, okay. One for one set of uh, customers, the urgent pain is like e-commerce companies uh, 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 losing sales because uh, potential customers couldn't find the right product that they were looking for because they had a poor search program. Uh, website search. Uh, another such, uh, example version pain is when um, the the company just did a review of their uh, website and uh, uh, website search, and it was just delivering very poor results. Um, or the third case is when developers uh, needed to add this feature, and it was just taking so much effort, uh, um, so they looked for an alternative. So there were three urgent pains for them. Yes, early on for the company. But interestingly, the wow was the same for all three. And what uh, uh, Algolia would do would get access to the the data from a, a prospect uh, by having a discovery call or something, get access to the data, build a, a, a custom demo, which is a, a custom search uh based on that data and showcase to them very quickly, sometimes even within 24 hours of the first call. And uh, the potential customer could see that uh, the Algolia-driven search was so much better than what they had internally. So they were able to do real A-B testing um, with their own data in a very short period of time. And was that a case where the wow was obvious? And the founders of the company knew what the wow was, or is that a case where the customer dictated it? Well, the challenge was uh, um, how do you show the, you have to get access to the customer's data before you can uh, uh, show the the wow. That's a pretty common challenge, I think, for particularly B2B startups is that, you know, for a lot of customers, the wow isn't necessarily UI screen, it's being able to show a feature or capability you kind of need to show it with their data for them to realize it. Um, that's actually a fairly common challenge. Yeah. These are fascinating examples. Have you got some more you can share, Bob? There's another company, Vanta, that has figured out their urgent pain and figured out their wow. So Vanta helps small SaaS companies get through their SOC 2 compliance. And SOC 2 compliance for those out there is like, you know, when you're a SaaS provider and you sell to enterprise companies, uh, SOC 2 is a certification that makes big companies feel comfortable using your SaaS service. So like Salesforce is SOC 2, ServiceNow is SOC 2. Lots of the big companies do. So if you're a small company trying to sell to a big enterprise and pharma or whatever it is, they need you to have SOC 2 compliance. So that's the problem. So for Vanta, what they figured out the urgent pain is there's lots of small, small and mid-sized startups Lots of them funded by venture capitalists, some of them funded by Tahi, some of the ones I work with, where they're trying to sell to big customers. And what they found out is the urgent pain is not having SOC 2 compliance basically kills or slows down deals. Right. Yet startups at the same time don't know how to get SOC 2 compliance. It's confusing. It's expensive. There's lots of consultants out there. It's just kind of a giant pain. And everybody just kind of goes, ugh. So... You know, they found their urgent pain. The trick was then sort of like, how do you show the wow? And turns out um, it was interesting for them on the wow that if a customer had not been through a SOC 2 compliance effort, it was a little harder for the customer to intuitively understand the wow. But they would ask this question, have you been through a SOC 2 compliance before? And if the answer was yes, they'd be like, oh, let me show you how we do it. 
for somebody who'd been through it before to see the old way and the new way, they were just like, wow. And they would just show this one screen in their platform that is the single source of truth for all the documentation, all the screenshots, all the other junk that has to get done to get a SOC 2 compliance. And it's automated and updated every day and shared with your company and shared with your auditors. And it just takes what was this almost like silly binder that companies were doing and completely automates it. And people that had been through it before were like, wow. Okay. Now, the interesting challenge, like I said, is for what they found was that uh, for some prospects, if they'd never been through it before, they didn't necessarily appreciate the wow. So it turns out they tuned their go-to-market playbook to ask customers at the front end if they've been through a SOC to compliance before. And if so, they would then show the wow. If they had not, they would have to do some education about what a SOC 2 compliance took and the old way to do it, and then they would show their wow. So that was sort of an interesting example where they found the wow, but they had to do a little bit of work ahead of the wow so that they could create a fork in their playbook depending on sort of the customer's past experiences. Interesting. See, this was similar for uh, another company of ours, uh, Gather, which is a a SaaS company for event coordination. Um, In in many ways, you know, coordinating events. uh, Actually, I just went through one this weekend with my niece's wedding. But uh, coordinating events is is, uh, like doing this uh, SOC 2 compliance. And uh, it turns out for, for Gather, people that have tried to coordinate events before and was using the print, sign, scan, email process, um, had many problems. And when they actually saw how with Gather, it was just simple click and e-sign, one and done, very easy collaboration amongst people, it's a compelling wow. But for people who haven't done it before, it's something that you would have to educate them. Yeah, I wish we had had that when my wife threw my... Uh, 50th birthday party for me because I remember we were faxing paperwork back and forth and like sending snapshots of our credit card. Like it felt like it was like 1999. They could have used Gather. Yeah, these are brilliant examples. I want to ask you a little bit more about how you find these. Before I do, have you got any more that you want to share? Yeah, I, I want to talk about uh, uh, an example uh, which Bob alluded to, and that is, uh, you know, how do you find your urgent pain? In other words, so or you know, you have a company where maybe the urgent pain has changed, and, and that's uh, the company at scale. And so, what at scale basically does is is that it serves as uh, the con- middleware or the connection between your data storage and your business intelligence tools like Tableau, Excel, and so forth. When uh, at scale first started, what they thought what would be the primary place that people would be moving the enterprise data to would be these uh, uh, Hadoop data lake uh, architectures. But with the uh, growth of the cloud. Uh, obviously, people are starting to move a lot of data into the cloud. And so it's the same use case, uh, but the urgent pain is different because the storage infrastructure has gone from Hadoop into in, into the cloud. And so they had to reposition themselves to a different urgent pain. How did they figure that out, Tehi? Like, was it just that, you know, they were asking questions of their customers or... To be honest, Bob, it reminded me very much of Mobile Irons uh, jumping on the iPhone. You know, when the iPhone first came out, it wasn't obvious that that would be the winning smartphone. 
in the same way when uh, uh, cloud was coming out at the time, uh, it wasn't clear that um, critical enterprise data would be moving into the the cloud versus uh, staying on-prem in the Hadoop architecture. But uh, uh, as you spend time with customers, um, you you get to see uh, what the early adopters uh, uh, want to do. So it's it's really important as you're seeing this shift going on to find the right teaching customers. Yeah, and find the right teaching customers and asking the question, what else are you struggling with? Sometimes I felt as a founder that you kind of need to know the answer and you were going into a customer and pitching what you had and selling what was on the truck, which is sort of a common mindset and totally understandable. But you know, in the search for the urgent pain, um, just asking that question, what else are you struggling with? I suppose when you ask that question, you then have to think of a coherent way to record the types of answers, right? Because it's a subjective question. So do you then have to group those different answers together into several umbrellas of urgent pain? Like who categorizes it all? Yeah, that's a great point. Like, if you just build that into your early customer engagement where you're like out there trying to see if they care about what you do to find the urgent pain and ask the question, what else are you struggling with? Capturing that and organizing that is sort of a key thing to do. I don't know, Tahi, you want to talk about your little like heat map use case grid that the hotspot diagram that you've, uh, you've used in the past? Because I think, you know, that's effectively what we did. Oh, that sounds that's so good. Yes, uh, what what I find is is uh, that works is uh, Helen. You know, you're basically con- converting unstructured data, these customer conversations, into structured data. And so I start with an Excel spreadsheet where I just ask them uh, questions uh, uh, for each customer, the same kind of questions. What do they want? What advances you in the deal? What blocks you in the deal? Uh, what they're looking to buy? Then getting all the answers, uh, uh, you can start seeing clusters. You know, in a way, you know, people are using ML for a lot of data, but you know, think of uh, mentally applying ML concepts of cluster analysis uh, uh, for small amount of data, and then from that ultimately is to convert it into different types of uh, uh, customer profiles and different use cases. And then based on that, you can see, you know, which one is has the heat spot. Yeah, for me, there's like a little mental diagram I have on this, which is that, like, you could sort of imagine like a little three by three matrix, okay. where across the top, you've got three different use cases, or th- three different potential urgent pains that you found in talking to customers. And down the left-hand side, you have, you know, different types of customers or buyers or ICPs who you may be targeting. And what you'll find is in your customer conversations, sort of the what Tay was talking about, it's almost like there's like pins that go on the dartboard in each one of those boxes. And you'll start to see clusters where they're grouping. And you're like, oh, that feels kind of like a hotspot. That's a pattern. We're hearing more customers say that thing. And sometimes you end up with like a couple dots here, a couple dots there, and then you'll have a lot of dots in one place. And, you know, if a lot of dots are sort of where you thought they were going to be, that's great. Good job. You figured it out in advance. Yeah. Sometimes it's not exactly what you started the company for and you have to kind of pivot a little bit. Uh, That's totally okay. Actually, 
<laughs> I don't know what the data is on this, but I would say sort of a significant portion of startups eventually find their urgent pain in a slightly different place than they started. And in a slightly different way. And it turns out, Bob, following up on what you're saying is, is that, uh, you know, what constitutes that dot for that uh, board? The obvious answer is uh, closed deals. So, you know, obviously, if you win deals or you lose deals, uh, um, those are reflective of those dots. But what can also be helpful is what generates meetings. Yeah, that's a great point. What generates leads and meetings. Yeah, because that sort of shows what customers are actually interested in. So you can actually, you know, what is that meeting maker and they want more information about? Yeah, you know, there's an interesting story here. You know, uh, this guy named John Miller, who started a company called Engageo, he was early at Marketo. Uh, When he was getting Engageo off the ground, before he, you know, focused the company on going to solve what they eventually went to solve, he did a bunch of digital marketing experimentation where he would put out content and search words and landing pages for different sort of candidate urgent pains and just see like what happened. Look at the, you know, the digital marketing results, look at the click-through results, look at the sign-up results. Like, and he used that as sort of a digital marketing way to do experimentation about finding the urgent pain at scale uh, before even having a product. And I think, Tahi, to your point, I think that's a really important piece of advice for the entrepreneurs out there is closed deals is certainly one of the dots on the board of finding your urgent pain. But just figuring out where the leads come from and where the urgency is on generating leads uh, is just as important. And why do you think it is so hard? You make it sound so easy by, you know, all you have to do is ask questions and listen to the answers. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It does sound easy, but it's not that easy. (laughs) Why? What is so difficult about it? Is it because the data is so unstructured or um, is it more complex than that? I think there's like, at least for me, there's sort of a psychology problem and a process problem. I think the psychology problem is, um, you know, what I found in the early days of Mobile Iron, like, and just look, for every startup founder and early team, you go start the company because you have a belief in what you're doing and you have your founding idea. And I think that passion is awesome and that focus is awesome, but sometimes it can be a little blinding. Uh, so I think the first challenge is having a little bit more of an open mind and being willing to admit to yourself that the urgent pain may not be exactly what you thought it was. It's harder than it sounds because <laughs> it feels like you're kind of betraying your founding idea. Um, so I think, you know, that's one challenge that I certainly felt. The other one was to Tay's point is that you're just getting tons of unstructured data and talking to a lot of customers. Like, how do you gather it and organize it? So the level of discipline around getting that so you can start to see the heat map for where the urgency is um, takes real focus and work. Um, And it's not, uh, in some ways, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with Bob that those are the two main things. One is really overcoming that uh, founder bias, you know, because it's going to be viewed as founder heresy in later stage company. It could be the, the head of product has a certain vision. And so overcoming that uh, internal bias is important. The, the second uh, uh, point that Bob is uh, alluding to there, I find that works really well, is uh, um, to basically force documentation. 
We did this actually uh, uh, when we were starting Airspace is that uh, after every customer meeting, before we even had a product to sell, we asked everyone to just write down detailed meeting notes. And in the beginning, it was unstructured. The reason why it's hard to find the urgent pain and the wow is uh, you're overcoming your biases, which is, you know, the founder heresy that Bob alluded to. But then the second is, is that all this data exists in silos. Yeah, it's kind of distributed in a lot of people's brains. Exactly. And as the company gets bigger, it's even harder because you have even more silos. And and the way to uh, break the silos is uh, the, uh, to have this documentation then, which is shared. And, and it goes back to actually what uh, Chad said uh, in our podcast with him about working distributed, how he said that uh, one of the keys to GitLab working distributed is to document everything. Yeah. I would say that uh, finding product market fit early on at Airspace and then go to market fit was that Early customer documentation, just being very religious about it, because I remember going back and reading the same notes maybe 10 times at 10 different occasions, and all of a sudden things clicked. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Advice for founders and early teams is, you know, stay saying is document everything. I think one of the challenges I've seen in a couple of cases, startups did not do that. And so they've had lots of meetings and there's been a lot of sort of engagement with customers and prospects that sort of distributed in everybody's brain and they, and it wasn't documented. So how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. One sort of successful strategy for sort of retrospectively tackling that is if you think about the problem, all these data points are sort of distributed in a bunch of people's heads. It's like the founder's head, maybe your one Davy Crockett sales rep's head, your VP of product who's out meeting with customers head. They've Everybody's got like little pieces of the story and little pieces of data. One of the things that I've seen done successfully in some startups that didn't have as good documentation around customer notes is to basically set aside one or two full days. And this is going to be a giant pain, but just bear with me. Bring the people into the room, bring your Davy Crockett sales rep into the room, bring your CEO into the room, whoever's been out talking to the customers, bring everybody into the room and basically lock everybody there and go through every customer and every deal that you've won, you've lost or went fast or slow and pick like 20 or 30 of them and grind through basically capturing the key points that happened in those meetings or what those customers said, like, who was the buyer? Like, what was driving them? What was going on in their world? What caused them to move forward? What were they interested in? Being able to pull that out of everybody's head and then document it, I've seen also work because as you start to put that together, the patterns and the heat map start to emerge. And you can sort of recover from a scenario where uh, you didn't necessarily have sort of all the customer call notes that yeah. would have helped if you had thought about it in the beginning. So ironically, this is an urgent pain, right? Perhaps there's a market for a platform which can document all this and record urgent pain for, for customers. Helen, I mean, I would say the, the thing that I like, Bob, is if you could uh, have people document, though, immediately after every meeting, every customer meeting. Because, you know, as every day goes on, the listener starts adding their bias. But totally, that's way better. No question about it. So, you know, finding your urgent pain and figuring it out is not always obvious and finding your wow is not always obvious, but it turns out that, you know, it is reasonably systematic. 
And, you know, that sort of gave me hope as a founder out there trying to figure out my urgent pain and figure out my wow. There is a systematic way to go about it. As long as you kind of know what you're looking for. I think, Tehi, I'm going to quote you on this, that, you know, in retrospect, this always seems obvious, but we totally recognize that when you're in it, it's not always quite so obvious. But for all the entrepreneurs out there, best of luck and best wishes in terms of finding your urgent pain and finding your wows. And uh, when you do, they're key to go to market fit and unlocking growth. And it's, uh, it's spectacular when you get it right. Bob Tinker and Tehi Nam, thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Survival to Thrival podcast with me, Helen Croydon, and co-authors Tehi Nam and Bob Tinker. This podcast is aimed at enterprise startup leaders. If there's someone you know who would find this podcast useful, please share it with them, subscribe, or leave a review. That's how others find us. Oh,